1: From the Anti Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti Up Poker Cast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's January 5th, 2017, and you're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. Happy
2: New Year, buddy. (laughs) I'm Scott Long. Happy uh, Martin Luther King Day. Stole my thunder
0: there. I'm sorry there. I, I, were you going to say that to me
2: first? <laughs> no, no. Oh, all right. I mean, after you say Happy New Year before I say my name, I don't know what I'm going to say. But I do want to wish everybody a happy Martin Luther King Day, because that's also our restock the shelves day.
0: That's right. More about that later. So. That's right.
2: It's happy all around.
0: Yeah. It's a new year. I always worry that I'm going to say the wrong year for the first few shows. There were a couple of times where I was recording the show, and I'm like, all right, I'll talk to you later, but I'll edit the show. And you're like, all right, see you later. And then I get about five seconds into the show, and I realize I said the wrong year, and we're done recording, and you're like off on a plane somewhere. And I'm like, uh oh, what do I do? So I go back in, and I like grab a date or something from before, and I dub in the right date. And uh, so I didn't want to make that mistake today. I was very happy.
2: Magic of technology. <laughs> so, what's up? So, speaking of technology, uh, some folks are still playing online poker. Um, not so much for money, but for glory. Yep. As our Pape series continues to roll on on the sixes, every sixth, uh, sixteenth, and twenty sixth of every month, you can go online and play uh, free poker uh, with the Anti Nation. And uh, we want to congratulate uh, the organizer of Papes, he's also our Anti Up uh, Minnesota ambassador. And uh, his name is John Poker Geek MN Somsky, and he uh, took down this title. So, you know, the fix was in. um, But people (laughs) like him, so they don't really care.
0: (laughs) He wins that thing, like, a lot. He's really good at the... uh, He's good at all the games, so he tends to rack up the points.
2: He he is a uh, really good player in general. Yeah. And uh, he has this sick um, feeling that he needs to, because he's the organizer play in every single event. Yeah. So that's got to help, too. Volume, right?
0: Yep, volume. He plays every game and uh, every event. So he's a tough player in person, too. We've I've played with him many times on our cruises and uh, deserves his title, I'm sure.
2: But uh, folks want to uh, learn more about Papes, uh, they can go to um, our forum at PokerRadius.com and learn how you can sign up for it and take part in next year's series. The schedule's already out. So remember, if it's uh, the... Date on your calendar is the six in it? Uh, you can play papes that night.
0: Yeah, they take the thirty sixth off though. I don't. know. You know they, yeah, that's. They deserve it. a little break. But uh, sixth, sixteenth, and twenty sixth, there's going to the be 63rd a papes. Sixty third too. <laughs> nope,
2: gotcha. Congrats! Okay, January sixty third. Oh, all right. Well, uh, good thing is, is that poker geek gets no money for winning papes. Uh, therefore there's no problems with payouts can't say the same uh, for the folks that just got back from PPC Aruba Uh, of course PPC Aruba which has run tournament series throughout the United States for several years uh, sending winners to their championship event in Aruba has allegedly not paid in full the prize money won by the top seven finishers in its November championship
0: yeah I I don't know about you but my phone's ringing off the hook uh, the last couple of weeks to uh, let us know about this and um particularly because the guys who run it are in florida and um you know we have a lot of people who work for us in florida or have written for us in florida or are friends of ours in florida and uh, they want, they're like they're like why aren't you going crazy about this blah 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 and, and you know one of the first things you, you learn as a journalist is as scott often brings up on this show is that we don't just go off of you know fly off the handle off of anything that just happens to arise out of you know uh, some conversation on some forum or, or just some, you know, babble at a table. We want to make sure that there's some, some meat to a story, some legitimacy to it and not just, you know, jump off with everyone else and then just report it. Like it's the worst thing ever happened. So we want to make sure when we hear these things that there's some time to flesh out the story and, and get a lot of, uh, different, you know, uh, sources and stuff like that. So,
2: yeah. And it's, I mean, obviously it's worth mentioning because people are talking about it. Um, but really even as of today we don't know exactly what happened here um, it certainly sounds sounds like uh, money wasn't properly escrowed and um, so it had, does have shades of what happened with, with full tilt and obviously people were throwing around that word Ponzi which we didn't really like about full tilt um, and I think it's too early to say whether I like it um, in this situation or not uh, but obviously there, there's a severe problem here um, you know when you Win a tournament or cash in a tournament, you should not have to wait to be paid. That money should be available to you, and you should get it, um, you know, as soon as you get busted. So, um, to that extent, the fact that that has not happened is a problem. Um, and obviously, we have a lot of time here to see what exactly caused that problem, and then we can ruminate on all that. But um, but right now, you know, I, I shared the thoughts with those all the people that contacted me. Um, that is a sad day for poker because once again um, here's another even without knowing the details it's it's out in the uh, and people are talking about it and it's it's a black mark on poker that you go back to the the history of poker and not being able to trust people in it um, and that's what's particularly galling to me is that you know you and i decided long ago that uh, we weren't trying to be flashy you know we could have gone the route of some other folks and got investors or backers or, and that kind of stuff and really grown really big really quickly and lived a good life if we wanted to. But we purposely chose not to do that. We purposely chose that this company was always going to be you and me. And when you make that choice, then you are forced to grow smaller. Um, and that's fine. I'm kind quite happy with where we are now um, and where we've come. Um, others aren't. And um so the problem now is, and we'll wait to see what the fallout is, but I've already had one phone call with a potential uh, client of ours that says, yeah, we're just not interested in sending folks to, to any kind of events, including on cruise ships, um, because we, we just can't trust folks anymore. And that, that hurts me because you know we've, we've done nothing over our eight and a half years but be a completely ethical company and try to work really hard. Uh, to provide good uh, value to people, a great magazine, great podcast, great cruises, great tour events. Um, you know, we certainly have no shenanigans going on here, and uh, we're getting caught in the shrapnel, and that burns my toast as fast. as I would say,
0: yeah, that's uh, that's it's painful to hear because you know sometimes you see the fallout from other things, and you think, well, it's not really going to hurt us. It's just terrible that it happened. You know, whether it's these players who brought in fake chips to a tournament or something like that, you know, the overall game gets hurt, but generally you don't feel it. Um but something like this now is directly affecting us. Um you know, whether we're talking about it on the show or whether it's just behind the scenes, it's 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 not right and it's it's terrible um that we're we're now experiencing something for something we didn't even do. We had nothing to do with and and it's just the game itself is going to suffer from stuff like this and it's terrible, you know. It's the old adage, you know. If something looks too good to be true, it probably is, and maybe that's maybe that's what happened here too. Maybe it just caught up with them. You know, I, I, it's all yeah, edge, yeah. so I don't know.
2: And that, that's a tough scenario because there are creative business people out there that can make something look too good to be true when it really is true. So I I I kind of sometimes chafe at that because it, it people I think immediately go to the fact that hey, this can't be on the up and up if it's if it's not doing what all the other traditional companies do. Um, but that being said, it, you're right, it's always a cause to look into it and actually um, ask good questions and make sure it is legit. Um, and obviously, at least what we, a little bit we know now, it sounds like um, those questions weren't being asked here. Um, and certainly we encourage and welcome those questions with, with our business dealings and, and hope that folks will give us the opportunity to explain how we do business. And uh, continue to trust us because we've not given anybody any reason not to trust us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, uh, I wanted to bring this up on the show a little while ago. One of our listeners, Mark Wittig, had asked me on PokerRadius.com about bowling poker. And I don't know if people are aware of this. Um, but when I when I was bowling years and years ago, this was very rare. I was in a lot of leagues, a lot of tournaments, a lot of whatever back then, and you never very rarely saw this but now like just about every league i'm in guys are doing this and you know they bring like a t- couple of decks to to the game you know little lanes and if uh sometimes they'll throw jokers in there or whatever and it's it's like draw poker and for every time you throw like their their rules different it varies between you know leagues or teams or whatever but generally if you throw a strike you get a card or a spare you get a card and if you throw more than one strike in a row you get that many cards or you get to pull two cards or whatever and some of them let you keep five cards in your hand and then you have to discard once you get a sixth card you discard and some let you keep seven whatever the rules are it's just basically draw poker
2: i hope there's a book there cuz i'm confused already but
0: well like say say you're bowling Right, and you throw a strike.
2: Oh, wait, hold on. I didn't ask you to go in and confuse me more. So.
0: <laughs> no, but really, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. You don't get five cards. You get one card every time you go. And then when you finally get up to five cards, that's your hand, and if you keep throwing strikes, you kept pu- keep pulling cards, but you have to discard, so you have to keep re- removing cards, so you always have five or seven at a time. You never have any more. Um, and at the end, the person with the best hand wins, and often it's like a straight flush or... Five of a kind because there's jokers involved, and there's you know, it's carnival poker basically, is what it is. And uh, the serious league I'm in, I'm in two leagues, one of them's pretty serious, the other one's it's not that's not serious, but it's it's not exactly the same league. Um, and that one is the league where my teammates are like, Hey, we're, we're gonna play poker, you guys throw a buck in for each game, blah blah, blah. And So I'm like, oh, Really seriously and it's like, you know, I'm there to win money, uh, bowling I'm not there to, to play carnival poker with my friends you know, um but he was asking me about it, so, I mean uh, to me, I boycott the game I, I don't, I don't want to play it not You're being a, to be shocked by this I know, game. I know and it's not, I mean, I played it for the first like, ten weeks or something with them and, and I won more than I, believe me, I won more, because generally I'm a better bowler than everybody on the team, but maybe one guy or so, he's equals, but after that, you're throwing more strikes in them, you're throwing more spares in them, you're getting more cards in them, plus I play poker, so I'm, you know, I'm figuring out the odds of, okay, I should probably go this direction, or I know what average hand wins in this game, you know, that kind of stuff. So I feel like I have an advantage on it, so in a way, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sort of fleecing them and it's like, okay, it's one thing if you're fleecing the, the stranger who's drunk in seat four at the local poker room. It's another thing if you're going to have to be face-to-face with these guys for 36 weeks, and they're your teammates. Um, but then the other thing I started noticing was people were... like the other, One of the other rules in, in, in this poker game was if you don't strike and all your teammates do strike, then they all get an extra bonus card that you don't get. Because you didn't strike, and then bonus round. And then if you're the only one who strikes, and no one else on the team strikes, then you get the bonus card. And so there's there's all these ways, but the people started to like revel in like the fact that you missed, and anything that that detracts from the team spirit of we're trying to win money here, guys, as a team. We don't need to worry about some penny ante freaking poker game on the side. You know, uh, two years ago when I first came back to Bowen, I was Bowen on our friend Eric's team. And um, I needed uh, two strikes in the 10th to hit my average and to win the game. And I threw the first one and the second one, it didn't strike. And when I came back, I was so pissed off that we lost the game. And my the team, one of the teammates was like, "All right, Chris missed his average. Now the money doubles over to the next one." And I'm like, "You do realize that we lost the game as a team, you know?" So then when the next game came and then he won it, I told him, you know, "I hope he choked on it." And I started like get resenting my teammates. So I boycotted the game. Now I mean, that was two years ago, but now I didn't want that to happen here because started noticing it happened here. People were like celebrating that we weren't doing well, and I'm like guys, we're trying to win the league. You know how much money we're going to win if we win the league versus you winning a $3 poker game? you know? And it it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And then one of my teammates was like, you know what, you're right. And he's like, I'm not putting my money in anymore. And I'm like, all right, well, I won't won't do it either. So then we started boycotting it. And then my other friend comes up to me and he's like, aren't you the publisher of a poker magazine? And I'm like, yes, but that's not the point. That's not the point. And and I, I only bring it up because, you know, when we're in home games and stuff, you know, We're friends, and we're playing, and we're, we're still trying to take each other's money. But that's the goal of that day. It, that's the goal. We're sitting down to take each other's money. So if someone doesn't make their flush and your two-pair hold up, you're rooting for that person to not make their flush because that's the goal. The goal at the bowling alley is to beat the other team in bowling. It's to bowl and beat your average and bowl well, and not to take and root against your teammates. That's why I don't play fantasy football. Because with well that and because it's,
2: yeah, yeah just it's a different story. I,
0: I I don't have time, but <laughs> but seriously, I mean, I I don't want to root against my own interests. You know, if I want the Giants to win, you know, I don't want Kirk Cousins to have a big game on Sunday. You know, because
2: yeah, you can have Kirk Cousins <clears> have <throat> a big game as long as Eli Manning has a bigger game. Yeah, so I know, that's, but that's the mentality you have to get into. It's in, I can't
0: do it. I can't do it
2: in in fantasy football. So I would suggest the mentality you need to have for bowling is support your teammates. Play this poker and hope the other team sucks worse, <laughs> and then everybody's happy. But they still root <laughs>
0: against you. It's not me. It's not my mind that I'm. You know, I mean, it's theirs. They're just rooting against you to like not strike, so they don't lose a you know or whatever. And it's just I'm like, guys, seriously, it's 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 bowling. We're bowling. We're not playing poker. You know. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, Mark, that's that's uh, the reason because I, I wrote a little quick thing on PokerRadius.com where you guys can all go on and. And have discussions and stuff, but I wrote a little quick thing to him saying, "Yeah, I just I can't stand it. I don't like it." But uh, he, what he asked me was, "Does a royal flush or something like this five of a kind be royal?" And because everybody plays with jokers practically, I said, "Well, what I said to him was, in our game, if it's natural, nothing beats it. So if it's a natural royal or a natural straight flush, sure. then then nothing beats it. But if you have one with jokers and someone else has five of a kind, because yeah, there's eight of every rank, you know what I mean. So there's, you can make five of a kind not easily, but it happens a lot. So if you make a natural five of a kind versus a a flush that or a royal flush or whatever that has a joker in it, well, you lose. But if it's the other way around, then you win. So anyway, that was the question he had, and I just thought I'd bring it up for a second there, and you guys will peek I into my what life.
2: What I've decided is that we are going to. I, I thought about this for a while, but I think next year we're going to have an anti-up fantasy football league. Uh, Chris, because you're part of the company, you're going to have to be part of it. It's just the way it's going to be. And uh, it's only going to evolve NFC East players.
0: Yes, NFC East. Very good.
2: <laughs> and uh, I'm going to get the first 12 draft picks and take all Giants.
0: So, <laughs> Good luck with that. For 17 weeks. All right, I'll take the other 12 Giants that are left over. <laughs> just tell me at the end of the year what happens. Okay, any updates. Uh, Ameristar Vicksburg in Mississippi will be awarding Up Poker Cruise packages to its Tournament of Champion winners and Hot Seats Drawings winners in January. Visit antiochcruises.com for all the details. And remember that we have six wonderful Up Poker Cruises on the schedule now, including a 14-night transatlantic to Barcelona, a weekend warrior cruise, a summer cruise, and many more. Get all details, including how you can win your way on board at com. All passengers will get a commemorative coin souvenir uniquely designed for each sailing by TheBokerDepot.com and a quick reference poker odds card from TheGamblingSchool.com. Also, Cool Mule Poker in Canada is the latest venue to join our Restock the Shelves charity food bank initiative with Blue Shark Optics. While the official date of Restock the Shelves is January 16th, many rooms are doing events on other days or running donation promotions. Every day leading up to their restock event, including Tampa Bay Downs, where you'll get one raffle ticket for an Antioch Poker Cruise drawing for every food item that you donate from now through January 16th. For more information, visit Antioch restock. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at dot com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call of the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a setup of J Design playing cards, the official playing cards of any poker cruises. Available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. Comes from Stephen Wilson. Said this happened to me twice recently in local tournaments. You're short stacked relative to the blinds under the gun with Jack Ten offsuit in the $80 buy-in multi-table tournament. 42 players down to six pays five places. Blinds are $8,000 $16,000 with a 500 ante. So there's 27,000 in the pot pre-flop. One circuit ago, you had 61,000, but after having to fold six hands, you are left with 34,000. Another gun plus one has 6.5K shove or fold. In an $80 buy-in single table shootout with 10 players down to seven, pays one place. Blinds are 1K and 2K, so 3K is in the pot pre-flop. You have 8.5K. And about an average stack except for the big blind who has a huge stack. Shove or fold. To me, these are similar sort of 50-50 situations given the blind slash stack ratios. Do you agree? I know we shouldn't be results-oriented, right? In both cases, I shoved, the big blind called an ace, and I didn't improve. Well, you're... um. Uh you're sort of the the tournament player between us now, and you're also the short stack ninja. So I'm going to let you try this first, and then I'll see yeah, what I am Yeah. So up.
2: here's the kind of the problem is that uh, I initially had one response, and then when I thought about it, I completely changed my mind. So I'm going back to my notes to find out what I said.
0: Excuse okay.
2: You. All right. Let's uh, see. This is what I told him. In uh, scenario one, I said fold and hope for the best with the short stack. You have very slim chances of winning this tournament. So the goal now is to get that min cash. This decision for me is entirely because you have a player with less than half a blind to act after you. He should be calling with any two cards. Second scenario, I say shove. You have just four big blinds, so you have to take a stand now. Actually, needed to take a stand much earlier. Jack-10 is a hand that can win against a variety of holdings. Since everyone seems to be incredibly short-stacked, you might actually pick up the blinds, which is
0: huge. (laughs)
2: Uh, But if not, uh, I like taking Jack-10 to war. All right. I'm not sure if that's what I would have said off the cuff, but that's after my thought.
0: That's right, I'm right. Saying. Um, yeah, I, I think the, I think I, I think I agree with you. I think the second scenario, you're just so short, and yeah, I mean, you, I'm looking at it again. I'm just making sure I don't. So you're just so short. Um, and really, there's only one person that has a huge stack. <clears throat> I know it's a big blind, and I know in this case now you told us later that the ace called, but. Really, your stack is about the size of everyone else's stack, so they're not going to want to go broke without a really good hand um and the odds of that coming up are you know only seven seven handed you know your jack 10's probably pretty strong just happened to be a blind ace who was the huge stack and you know, I think a a rare ragged ace doesn't call you if they're the average stack, so yeah. you picked up those important blinds because you're so short stacked and the blinds are so high that that was like man. Three three K. It's it's a thirty your stack. It's thirty three percent of your stack basically. So I think I agree. I think I would have waited on the first one, and I would have shoved on a second one.
2: So the second one, I'm really curious if I have this. This I would have liked to see a camera placed on this tournament. This is this is a tournament that I would have watched on TV. Okay, all right, so it's a single table shootout. Obviously, only one spade because of the shootout. Uh, we got seven players left, but almost no one has chips. Yeah. It's crazy. With seven people pl- left. I don't know how that happened.
0: Looks like all the chips went to the big blind.
2: Yeah. So at that point, I mean you're gonna take a stand against the big blind. The big blind is probably gonna call no matter where he is anytime. I mean, or at least there there there's a you have to be reasonably expecting him to feel comfortable when he can call any time. So I would not be scared of my Jack Ten here because of that. I would be emboldened that I need to start picking up some chips. Um and not let these other five people that are short stack with me pick up any chips because that's going to make a huge difference to me. Um, and if the guy decides to call, which he did, in the nace, then you know that's 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 the brakes, kid. Yeah, um, yeah. But but I think you're you're in a war now to get to second in chips. And then once you get in second in chips and eliminate everyone else, then you can take on the on the the, the big stack here. But Jack ten is a hand that, that has a lot of potential here, and uh, I'm. And even without a jack-10, I'm probably going to be shoving a lot of hands here just because I think everybody else is going to be scared to go out. I mean, it's probably a little less likely because, you know, you've got six more players to go. So it's not like we're on a money bubble where we were in the first situation where people are a little bit more scared. But, um, you know, you know, if you keep waiting in the second scenario when everybody's short-stacked, pretty soon you're going to have nothing, and then, and then you're going to have to get lucky. So you're going to get lucky at some point. So I'd rather get lucky when I'm uh, – when I guess I'm – chips and I'm able to put some a little bit of pressure on people
0: right, like you said i mean in the in the first scenario, yeah you're facing twenty four k in blinds in the next two hands, and you only have thirty four k but the odds are you only need one person to go out to get money here you still gotta survive seven people or right, six yeah. people yeah
2: we're playing to win that one, yeah, you have to play to win this one <laughs> you have to <laughs> That's win the it oh, I think you're getting in
0: it right you can't chop it it's a shootout so I think your scenarios are just different enough to to allow for a fold in one and, and to shove in the other.
2: Um, yeah, I think now that I go back and think my my initial thought to him was shoving both because just because we're so short stacked. But then when when I looked at that first scenario a little bit more and realized that you know we're one away from the money and we have a short stack right after us. Um, I'm willing to play the odds that, yeah. that he's going to be forced to go in and get knocked out. And then at that point, then I can start to play to win again. You know, again, that's, I kind of argue with our listeners a lot about that, that they're always in terms to win. And I'm like, I'm in the terms to win too. But at some point you have to look at the uh, the risk-reward here. and At some point it makes more sense to go for a cash and then hope to parlay that into a win than just blindly going for the win.
0: Right, because like in the, the shootout, Unless he had some tragic hand that got him to 8500 he's clearly not finding any situations to go for the win. You know what I mean? He was getting blinded off or whatever. He just didn't find the hands that he needed to to, to try to really get a big stack here. So that's the way he's played up to this point. But now he's gotten so short, he has to shove. And the other one, we've, like you said, we've got that other factor of the under-the-gun plus-one with only six and a half grand. And the, ne- you know, the next hand or two hands. Difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Um, and you 've survived for so long, starting with forty two players now you 're down to six, and the next spot you 're going to get your money back. then you can get back into the hole i 'm going to shove now um they 're they're very they really are very different scenarios um yeah. so i think I think uh fold and shove are the way to go. okay, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you 're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. A good buddy Vic G says he's in a 1-2 no limit hold'em cash game in a Florida card room. I announce all in and can see that I have my sole opponent covered. He announces call. The dealer repeats our verbal action. There is no all in disc in this card room. Also sees that I have him covered and completes the board. I table my hand the caller doesn't show his hand and tosses the cards face down toward the dealer. The dealer mucks his hand and, seeing that I easily have my opponent covered, waits for the caller to move his chips into the pot so he can slide them to me. The caller complains that he didn't know that I had bet so much or some such thing and doesn't want to call. I ask for the floor to be called over to the table. <clears throat> Excuse me. The dealer accurately explains what happened the caller doesn't argue the facts but firmly states that he believes that he was tricked and will not call no further explanation he then asks the floor i'm not calling so what are my options the floor is a little miffed but calmly states that he has the option to call all of his chips or to leave the card room for the remainder of the day he chooses the latter, racks up cashes out at the cage and leaves the property i then ask the floor what about the call i'm due how can you allow him to leave without paying me He disappears in the back, then tells me that a chip runner will bring me $163 from the cage. Apparently, this is what the player cashed out for. Should I request that the dealer pull in all verbal bets prior to dealing the turn card to prevent the situation from happening in the future? Was any mistake made on anyone's part during this unusual hand? Can't the floor physically take a player's chips? Why would they allow him to cash out and leave, yet still pay me the $163? Does the dealer take the hit for the $163 as if
2: uh, his well was short? Uh, Elliot says the supervisor almost made a correct decision here. The supervisor offered two choices, pay the bet or stay pay the bet and stay or keep the bet and leave. The second option was supposed to be if you insist on not paying, we, the casino, will confiscate the bet and bar you for the indefinite future. The Specifics of the situation pretty much rule out any kind of confusion. You announced a bet and he announced the call unless most of the chips were hidden he owed you the full value of your all-in bet. The casino should have been much more stern in this situation otherwise the most basic of rules would have no meaning. Violations of fundamental rules must have strong consequences. The casino made good on the bet after letting the player walk out on his obligation and that is commendable. Don't worry about the dealer as I'm sure he didn't have to come up with the money for the refended bet. Yeah, uh
0: I don't I don't see that the dealer was in the wrong really i mean i can see them saying well you should have pulled the money in before you don't yeah, the board or something when does that happen it never it's happens I'm right. so i
2: mean here here's a real problem for me is because i'm always a let's do what we can to prevent a problem in the future right yeah so if you take that line of thinking um i think Vic's right i think at this point you should insist that all whenever the calls made that that all the chips are pulled in and that way you don't that that would solve this problem correct yeah i think so um But I don't don't see a lot of poker rooms getting on board with that, right? Because it slows down the action too much. Um, And I don't know how often this scenario happens. I mean, I've heard maybe, this might be the third time I've heard of a player welching on a bet and having uh, deciding to leave and have a different scenario. So I don't think it happens enough to require that we slow down the game, particularly in tournaments, and pull everything in before we can uh, spread it out. So... um, But I would admit, obviously, that does solve the problem, right? Yeah. So I I guess my advice to Vic is I think this is just an anomaly. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, You got unlucky. Fortunately, the room did right by you in a circuitous way. (laughs) So you've got your money. Um, So I wouldn't worry about it going forward too much.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I, I agree with the what Elliot said about it, like rules have no place in the world then if you're just letting them violate these fundamental things. You make a bet, you call a bet, you pay a bet. I mean, that's the way it goes. That's why you're there. Um, And tricked is is pretty hilarious to me. I was tricked. I mean, what what does that mean? I mean, he
2: bet and I called and, oh my gosh.
0: How dare he bet? You know, (laughs) I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if I were the supervisor, I would have walked him up to the cage, have him hand the chips into the lady and say, okay, keep the chips, don't pay him let them go, and then uh, you know, and that's, yeah, that's the well, way it even,
2: goes I, mean, I agree with that, but even if you don't do that, I, the, the one problem that I have with this, and I think Vic should definitely talk to the poker room manager about this is the option of uh, you don't pay, so you leave for the day, no if, if, if your room's policy is, and I hope your room's policy is not to allow you just to walk out with somebody else's ships, but if that is your policy, alright that is, you walk out that door and you are never ever coming back in. Yeah, it's not twenty four hours you come back in because if that's the case, uh, and I'm sure some people, people at the table heard all that, right? Yeah. You know what's what's the discouragement? I'm like, you know, hey, you know, if I lose a big hand, I had a great day, I ran my chip stack up to five thousand, and then I, I lost a hand, I can just say, yeah, I to pay. I'll take that five thousand home, and uh, I'll just come back uh, forty-eight hours.
0: Yep, you're setting a precedent you don't want to set. I mean, you can see that if that happens again, the guy's going to get banned or something. Yeah, but and I but think still yeah,
2: it's it's really obvious here that this floor was inexperienced and didn't have uh, didn't really had never encountered this before because it's rare. And I get that. And probably when he went back in the back to talk to someone, the pe- no one else back there was very experienced about it either. And that's why they came up with, uh, they're like, oh, well, shoot, this kind of sucks. We better give this guy his money. <laughs> and then they're probably figuring out how to how to do that internally back there. So I, I think there was just a little bit of an experience on the floor here. Um, but but definitely, I think it's worth telling the supervisor, the manager in the room at some point, uh, because I'm sure any manager with his, soul, his or her soul is going to want to know that this happened and make the training opportunity.
0: Yeah, that, that would most definitely get back to the manager anyway. You know, exactly. almost under $163 that's unaccounted for. Hey, why do we pay $163 for well, this? Well, I'm sure that'd be reported to him. But yeah, yeah you're
1: right.
2: But, uh, <coughs> but it, it would be good to hear from the player you know, his point of view on yeah. that, too. That kind of helps.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's just a precedent you don't want to set
2: uh, at Not all. at all.
0: Hey, you know what? It's a first O'Malley's move of the year. Here it comes. <laughs>
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing our regular home game. This time we've managed to talk the small group of five players into making it a mixed game of No Limit Hold'em and Pod Limit Omaha. The blinds are 50 cents, $1. We're in the second half hour of the night, which means PLO. Everyone is hovering right at about their starting stack of 100. The blinds post, the the under-the-gun folds, the cutoff calls, and we're on the button with the jack-of-spades... 10 of spades, 10 of clubs, 9 of spades. Playing shorthanded, this might be a raising situation, but in the end we just call. The small blind folds, the big blind checks, and we go to a flop. With $3.50 in the pot, we see the queen of spades, 8 of hearts, 7 of hearts. The big blind checks, as does the cutoff, and we make possibly another mistake. We check. The turn is the 6 of clubs. The big blind checks, but the cutoff leads out for $2. This player is fairly new to poker, but she plays a solid game. She may play a little too fast and loose during the Omaha rounds, but she doesn't often step too far out of line. Still, we're going to raise it up with the nuts. We make it $4 to go. The big blind folds, but the cutoff calls. With $11.50 in the pot, the river is ugly. The Queen of Hearts comes down. The cutoff leads out for $4.00. What's the move?
2: It's time for Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations. Podcast at com. Our good friend Jeff Hayashi is back. And Chris, don't worry. It's not a limit hand this time.
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: Uh, first of all, he says, Happy Thanksgiving. Well, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> you too. I'm glad we're only a couple of months behind on hand the week. Uh, he says, I'm writing with the hand of the week for a $2, $3 no-limit hold'em game. He says, Normally I play limit games, but I was sitting this game waiting for the game to start, and I thought you'd find this hand interesting. I'm going to go ahead and say that Chris is going to find this hand more interesting. I have your standard eight sixteen limit games. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, there is a $6 straddle for this hand. It's folded to me in middle position. And I raise, oh, sorry. Uh, folded me to middle position with the king of diamonds, queen of hearts.
0: Um, okay, well, I know he raises. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I don't know really if I play this hand. I mean, I I'm not, I'm not, it's so funny because these hands come up and like everyone's gonna think we're like so tight that, you know. You know, if you put a lump of coal up our butt, we'd make a diamond. You know what I mean? But it's it's we're not we're not that tight. It's just that this is a trap hand. It's not a really great hand. And I know you have a straddle, and so you have some dead money out there. Unless he's a crazy straddler, and but it's a type of hand you get screwed. Um. So to be honest with you, I really don't know if I'm playing this hand. I I it depends on the table, depends on the the mood, depends on the straddler. It really does. It really does. But if I am playing it again i have to know what kind of straddler we're talking about here is he the kind that automatically raises no matter what or is he the kind that just says i'm just trying to get some action some more money in the pod and always wraps the table when it gets to him i may raise um i have position on everybody so uh if i'm gonna play it i'm probably gonna play it for a raise because most straddlers don't really know how to play the straddle they just they're bored in a 2-3 game and they're just hoping for bigger pots and bigger money, and for the one time that they get a hand when they make it the straddle, they're going to get paid off. So, uh, I'm probably going to raise, and if it's six, I'll probably make it like twenty, because that's you know it's about almost twenty when it's a one three game. They make it eighteen sometimes stuff. So when it's a six dollar raise and there's some dead money out there, I'll probably make it twenty to go and just yeah, see what saying, happens. Two
2: three my normal rate should probably be fifteen. So
0: yeah, so out
2: there I think twenty. Now, that being said, I would just fold this hand.
0: Yeah, okay, that's what I said. I think I would probably fold it.
2: What's interesting about this, and I did have some back and forth with Jeff about this, uh, but uh, he's not the first listener that's really questioned me on my argument that King-Queen is a trap hand. So he's got some very specific reasons why he likes to raise with it, um, and as are some of our other listeners, um, which is interesting to me, because this is a hand that I just think gets you in trouble so much that it's just not worth it, particularly in this spot, in a cash game. With the straddle on, uh, there's a million reasons to me uh, here why I'll fold, but um, but there's several other people out there that uh, see it differently. So that's why we play the game, right? Yep. All right. So anyhow, as I, I left the cat out of the bag, uh, he is going to raise. He's going to raise the seventeen dollars. Um, the button calls and the straddle calls, and he says, "I have three hundred dollars. It's the first hand I've played, and they both have me covered. So effective stacks are are three hundred dollars." Okay clock comes King of Hearts, Jack of Clubs, Six of Diamonds, and he says uh, there's no, he has no history on opponents, obviously because he just sat down in the game, Um, but the straddler checks to him.
0: Well, I mean, we raised, it's pretty standard. I I can't imagine checking here um, for a host of reasons. I mean, there are easily hands out there that fit into that Broadway scenario that would have called that raise and that I don't want to give them just any old power here. I don't want them to, to take over the control of the hand. I don't want them to get a free card. And we've hit top pair with a decent kicker. Um. So, three guys called 17. It that's 51. 50, 50 in the pot. After the yeah, so there's about 50 in the pot. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I think i probably make it 30 or 25 to go.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking about a half pot here, but half pot seems a little light because we have able to raise 20 pre Well, We only raised 17. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I think 25 to 30. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I mean, it, like I said, there, it's a trap hand. Somebody somebody would very easily just call with ace-king when you've already raised a 17. And, you know, there's no reason there's you know, somebody behind us now, so we don't really have position anymore. Um, So I, I, I tell you, if I was on the button and, and somebody raised a 17 and I have ace-king and I have a straddler behind me, I'm probably calling with that
2: ace-king. Right, because I'm assuming there's going to be another raise coming.
0: There might be another raise coming, and and so if when it doesn't come, now I've got a really good hand, and it's kind of nice. disguised, yeah. Nice. So this is why it's a trap hand to me. That you know they they call it a marriage because when it's all done, you're going to want to divorce it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm still going to make that bet because we took control of the hand, we hit our hand. I'm not yeah, I'm not going to not I, bet.
2: I'd be curious somebody trying to talk me out of a bet here. You know, our hand is weak as we mentioned. We flop top pair, so and we were the preflop aggressor and no one raised us, so I mean this this seems fairly standard to me. Yeah. Alright, so our hero bets thirty. Uh, the button calls and the straddler folds, and interestingly enough our hero says I would guess that this is pretty standard play for both you and Chris. <laughs> yeah,
0: button calls, so that's a little concern.
2: All right, the turn is the nine of diamonds. So our board now is king of hearts, jack of clubs, six of diamonds, nine of diamonds. And uh, the Straddler's have folded so it's on four. Us. So it's on us. to start.
0: So now there's 110 in the pot. Um, it's weird because now diamonds can get there on the next card, and, and our straight can get there. We've picked up a straight draw. Um, straight already got there for someone with queen 10, who could easily have queen 10. Mm-hmm. Um. So here's the deal. A lot of times I would bet this um, because I feel like the 9 gave someone a draw and improved, could improve a hand that was straight, but I just don't know if it got there or not. So I'm thinking I should probably make some sort of bet here. Um, If I check the control of pot size, it's already 110. You know what I mean? When you're starting with 300 and the pot's 110 and you've invested – you know what? Forty-seven fifty in a way. Forty-seven, what? right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's there, you got two fifty left. There's one hundred ten in the pot, so maybe you do want to control the pot here. I don't know. Um.
2: Well, I, I would make a, an argument for checking here, uh, just because our hand is weak. I mean, obviously there's a lot of draws that could get there, so it's tough to give up a free card. But this is what happens when you play a weak hand out of position. I think is that you know now we, we we got a piece to flop so i'm happy with that but we didn't get enough of it that i feel like going to the mat with this hand so if we check here get a check behind which is possible now the river bets are going to be more reasonable and even if you know of the draws gets there and we lose then that's again a reminder of what uh we shouldn't play but it's not going to cost us our stack so um, I'm definitely in favor of the uh, pot control check here and see what happens.
0: Yeah, and I just and even if he has the straight, he might put a value bet in, and then you could sort of reassess, or he may put a big bet in, and then you got to make you know what I mean but right now you only have one pair with second kicker, so I'm not going to go to the mat and lose my entire stack on this. Um, so yeah, maybe control the bet pot and then put out a defensive bet on the river if he checks. No,
2: right now I don't know what happens if he if he bets here. I mean, I guess it depends on the bet, but then that kind of kills the the whole option of controlling the pot size. Right, Uh, right. It kind of forces either to call, which is kind of weak, and then check, and then call whatever he's going to bet on the river. Um, And we don't really have much hope of um, improving here, Um, or um, or we gotta then raise them and try to like do some kind of mind trick game on them. And at that point. Than where we are committed and have to hope for the best. Like I said, we just don't have a much. We don't have much to hope for on this river card, so that's the problem with checking. Yeah, so yeah. Um, But that's also the problem with where we got ourselves in this situation. I think so. Um, all right. here uh, says I check, wanting to keep the pot small. Uh, I don't think I'd feel comfortable getting it all on the turn of this board and no knowledge of my opponent. Button quickly bets sixty dollars into the one hundred and ten dollars pot you quickly bet it hmm yeah I was just worried about so yeah it's the kind of
0: now you've got to wonder i've never played with this guy before is he the type of guy that floats and steals is he the type of guy that hit it really hard and doesn't want to let you now get there for free on a four card straight or something because he's already got queen 10 you know what's he thinking or is he just, you know, so is he either he's stealing it or he's trying to get money out of you or force you to pay money to hit that runner-runner flush that came here or, you know, or something. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to call 60 bucks on one pair.
2: I'm just, you know, I'm concerned with how I'm going to prove. I mean, obviously, the best-case scenario is a 10 right? Which would give us a straight. All right. I believe, right? Um, but there's only... A th- Of those and take the ten of diamonds out because that's a flush. Um, and then if a queen comes, obviously that's our two pair, but that makes it that much more likely that somebody else improved more than we did,
0: right? They have the ten in their hand,
2: and then one of the three kings would be nice, but then, but as you mentioned, we we very well could be up against ace king here, um, or some kind of two pair combination. So uh, I'm not comfortable with any of those cards, um. Because even if the ten comes and he's queen beats this, right? So,
0: right, calling the sixty is is only you're only hoping to beat a bluff now. There's nothing that either that or pull a miracle card out of your butt at the end, which even that you still could be losing to.
2: Right. So, I and mean, if it's a bluff too, well, what do you do now? So, if you call the sixty bucks, you're going to check the river, right? Unless you, you improve somehow. And if you check the river, now you got to hope that your opponent just gives up as well. Right but I don't think he's going to, right? We we checked on the turn and then called a little bit and then we checked the river. You know, I if if, if I was running the bluff here uh, the button, I would have to put another bet in on the river.
0: Exactly. If you're that bluffing, you have to make another call. If you're bluffing here, you're committing to the whole hand bluff. You're not just yeah. I'm going to try it once and then give up in the end unless you're really really nervous that you, that we as the hero in this hand are slow playing some hand that we now we think you're going to because we think you're a floater and you just tried to steal it from us and now we're going to try it again on the end. But <clears throat> really, if you're bluffing, you're going to put another bet out there on the river.
2: Uh, I think if you call here, I mean, you got to commit to calling whatever our opponent calls on the river.
0: Yeah. And if his bet's 60 now, you know, it's going to be yeah, pretty much the rest of your stack.
2: 230 at that point, yeah, he's going to put you in.
0: He's going to shove. Um, I just don't know if it's worth it for one pair. I'm probably yeah, folding. Yeah.
2: Certainly not a cash game, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. let's see After just a little thought, I call He says, I would expect that this is also standard I'm not sure if you both check or not, but I like this check call on this board I would think that folding is out of the question And I don't see any value in raising Since I'm only going to get called by a better hand It's tough to put him on worse kings without having two pair After all, he did call a preflop raise And did project weakness on the turn So he could be betting a hand like ace jack, queen jack, jack ten possibly
0: Let me ask you a question do you see this guy projecting weakness by betting $60 right after we check? How is that weak? Uh, yeah. What what was weak about it? I mean, unless he was there was some detail he didn't give us. I don't I don't know what's weak about me I mean, putting out $60. Yes.
2: I mean, here's the thing. He obviously he was in position, so you get a little wider range there, right? But he called our raise with the straddled come as you mentioned. Yeah. So that's that's not weak. That's that's something there, I think, right? Yeah. And then then he called our flop bet, and then we slowed down. So, I mean, obviously that's a green light for him to bet, but I, I certainly am not taking that as weakness at all. I'm taking that as this guy's got some kind of hand, and if he's got a hand that could call us pre-flop with a straddle to come and then call that turn, it's a hand that, has, if it's not already beating us, has great potential to beat us on the river.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I don't see this guy as weak. I mean, he he could be. He could be bluffing. He could be whatever. But anybody's willing to put in 60 and do it rather quickly after you check. After calling your raise and then calling your bet and now betting after you check, I don't see any weakness there. I mean, he's pretty bold. Whether he's strong or weak or not, he's bold. So um, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go and just lick my wounds. Yeah.
2: Well, of course, we can't now because he already
0: called. Right, He called.
2: Alright, so the river is the Ten of Spades. So our final board is King of Hearts, Jack of Clones, Six of Diamonds, Nine of Diamonds, Ten of Spades. Well, certainly, it was one of the cards that helps us improve. It's just a matter of whether...
0: <laughs> uh, right, I mean, if he has Ace-Queen, that's pretty remarkable because does he really call a $30 bet for the gutter right, and one exactly. over?
2: So that's a very good <clears throat> point, yeah.
0: Um. So I think we're probably good now. I, I mean, I if he has Ace-Queen, that, you just can't put him on that. I can't put on someone ace-queen one yeah, just calling.
2: Can't even be a suited ace-queen because there wasn't a flush draw on that flop.
0: Either. Right, so right, so you'd have to say, okay, I got one over and I got a gutter to try to felt this guy, so maybe that's why he calls a 30. But the 9 doesn't really help him. It just gives him the same straight. So It didn't help him on the 9, so why is he betting 60 now on the come like that? So it's really difficult to put him on that unless he's just a, a straight-out bluffer who got lucky. So, I mean, I, I think we're good here. I think now I'm probably going to have to bet. Um, or you could check, because he took control of the hand and let him bet, thinking he was betting the flush draw. Maybe he was bluffing his flush draw that he backed into.
2: But I think you're right. I think it's really hard to imagine a hand better than ours right now. Yeah. So, therefore, I'm probably going to bet. And then if, he, if we bet, then maybe if he's... Maybe if he's got something decent, like two pairs or something, then maybe he's going to raise. I don't know. It might be possible to get more money out of it. But, yeah, I think you're right. Now that I think about it, Ace Queen doesn't make much sense, so I think we're good. So.
0: But let me ask you this before you say anything. If, if we do bet, we're, we're telling him we only, we only need a queen for a straight here. We're telling him we have a queen. Whereas yes, if you check, true. and he's not going to call you, He's just not going to call you if he's got nothing. But if you check, he might get some money yeah, out of the betting. Yeah, but he also can't put us on a
2: flush draw, right, either. So, um, but he could put us on a queen,
0: Yeah. right, king-queen. Yeah, he could say, hey, I checked before because I only had one like, pair. Yeah, I and... think
2: he's got to put us on some kind of king, so then you've got to think about the king-queen. And then if I'm thinking about the king-queen, I'm thinking about the type of person that races 17 hours with king-queen in the middle middle position with a straddler, and then I'm gonna dismiss it, so there's a lot of confusion going on here so. yeah I don't know i may I think it's probably fifty fifty on whether you get more money by checking calling or putting out a bet and hope to get a call or um, I f- raised
0: I feel like if we call that sixty dollar bet that he made right and now come out betting when the he's it's gonna be so obvious we have the queen in. Yeah. I mean, Fair it's point. a great bluff if you could Fair do point. that too. But so if we check, we might get him to put some more money in. And if he doesn't, you're like, ah, oh, he wouldn't have called any bet I made anyway. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe you no, try a no, trick. I'm going to bet you. That's
2: a good point. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'm on, I'm on Team Cosenza. Yay. All right. What happens? All right. Here it says, well, that's a sweet river. Now, how do I play it? I actually thought about 30 seconds before acting. I was not Hollywooding. I was really trying to figure out what he would call a bet with. Should I bet small just to get some payoff? Finally, I decided to check. My thought was, if he had a strong enough hand to call a bet, then he had a strong enough hand to bet it. if I don't represent the queen. I can also induce bluffs, since I checked the turn and river. All right, so he's yeah. on Team sensitive. Yeah. After a very little time, he cut out $120 and moved it forward. I waste no time and move my remaining 193 in the middle, announcing all in, and he snapped Folds. The fact that he didn't even think twice for a small all-in raise makes me think he was really weak or just bluffing. He was just bending very quickly to show strength, which we all know what that means, right? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Wow. Interesting. So he he basically had nothing, or he knew he had the queen, one or the other.
2: Yeah, I almost think that it's, uh... It, it, I... I. I'm going to disagree with. Uh, makes him think he's really weaker, just bluffing. I think you're right. I think it was easy to see once we shoved there that he had the, we had the queen, and he was just kind of hoping that we didn't. Yeah. If we didn't have the queen, then it was going to be very hard for her and uh, for us to call that bet. Um, and he probably picked the amount that was. I mean, that's probably what sixty twenty two two thirty. Yeah, that's about half. That's a that's a proper bet to make. The number, yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Um, and he probably decided he couldn't win without it, or he could win if unless we had the queen. And then, as soon as we raised, then he knew the jig was up, um, and it just wasn't worth it for the inner seventy-three dollars for whatever he had. So, I don't necessarily think that means he was weak. He could have been. I don't necessarily think it means that he was bluffing. Could have. Um, I think it's it's obviously as you look at the board. It's at that point it's almost obvious what we have when we we make that move. So,
0: yeah, the story leading up to that in our minds is that he wasn't weak up to that point so i'd really fail to see that he was weak but maybe he was by the way that happened i i just don't i don't see it as being weak until that point so i have to say he wasn't weak and that he just was convinced that we had uh the queen and made an effort you know he had a hand he he thought maybe we might have been drawing or picked up a draw on that turn and when it didn't get there he tried to make a bet but you know value bet that's the thing It, it wasn't enough I mean, it was too much for a value bet. I mean, that that's a thing. So I'm not sure what he had. It's very difficult to know what that guy had. Now I wish he'd tabled his hand or something. But well, Jeff, congratulations! You were on Team Casenza up until the end, and you won your hand. What more could you ask for? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. Oh, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables.
1: Anti-Up is a production of Anti-Up contact the show at podcast at antiappmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiappmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.